0: Welcome back to the Arizona Wildlife Federation podcast. My name is Michael Cravens, and I am your host. Um, And I have a very special episode for you today. Uh, At least I feel like it's special because our guest today is my wife. Um, My wife, Mary, she took her first deer uh, just just a few days ago. And it was was a very emotional experience, uh, even throughout our talk. Here today, you know, we uh, we had to pause for a moment, um, but well, I'll, I'll just I'll let her her tell you about it. Um, you know, it's not a small thing taking an animal's life, especially if it's the first time you've done it. And uh, you know, there's there's a lot to tell. There's a lot to the story, and it was it was a fun hunt. Um, I genuinely, I, well, I mean, Lord, I, I love to hunt. I love being in the wilderness. Um, and I love hanging out with my wife. So what more could I ask? For? Um, So another note about this episode is I don't have any announcements for you. Um, And that's only because I'm recording this a little bit earlier because my family and I, we are leaving in the morning for Costa Rica. Uh, My wife and I, we have both spent time in Costa Rica before, but we've never taken our kids. Uh, My wife, her goal is to show them the Arabata. The Arabata is this fascinating nesting migration of Ridley sea turtles. Um, And what's interesting about this is, up until the 80s, nobody knew where Ridley sea turtles nested. Most sea turtles, your leatherbacks, your greens, your loggerheads, they 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 come up and nest on beaches in large areas, so people see them. But uh, it wasn't until the 80s where scientists scientists Went into a bar in Mexico and saw a Ridley sea turtle shell on the wall. Um, and this was from a book called Sea Turtle So Excellent a Fish by Archie Carr. I don't know if it was Archie or not. It's been a long time since I've read it. But went in there and they got the story from the bartender. And the bartender's like, yeah, it's this place down in Costa Rica. You know, there's this thousands of them, you know. So they went down and checked it out. And yeah, thousands of Ridleys coming up, you know, at certain periods and, and nesting. So we've timed it. But we're going to be down there where there's going to be adults, you know, if this works out, coming up on the beach while babies are moving back out into the ocean. So it should be a great experience for us. Of course, you know, we're in Costa Rica. We're going to see and do some other things. My primary goal, my primary goal is to catch a jungle tarpon on the fly rod. So we're talking 100 to 200 pound fish that run hundreds of miles from the ocean up these small jungle rivers. And, uh, yeah, that's where I'm going to try to target them them on the fly. And I couldn't be more excited. I can't think of anything more exciting in the world than that. So wish me luck. um, And I hope you enjoy this episode uh, with my wife. Um, It was a lot of fun to do it. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of feelings in this one. So, and uh, I should say rightfully so. But I do hope you enjoy it. I, I thought it was a lot of fun and interesting. And I will see you after the show. Thanks. So uh, I, I'm here with my wife, Mary Cravens, um, and Mary was just fortunate in in harvesting her first deer. Mm-hmm. That's a pretty big deal. Um, it was definitely a big deal for Mary. So we're going to talk about that today. And let's start with, though, tell us about who you are, Mary.
1: So hi, I'm Mary. I'm Michael's wife. Um, I'm a nurse, and I very much care about... Um, people and and living things in general, animals. Um, But I like to care for people. That's actually my number one passion.
0: What's your relationship to the outdoors?
1: I love being outside, um, but Mike's always been the hunter. I've never cared to hunt necessarily before this, but I love to backpack. I love to mountain bike. I like to hike. I love being outside. I love seeing animals. I just never thought that I could actually hunt an animal
0: all right well in that case what brought you to this point of doing this did you did you have hunters in your family did you grow up around hunters I mean
1: no I mean in a sense my brothers both kind they both hunt but I can't say that I necessarily grew up with hunting at all Um, Mike you were definitely the first real hunter that I met who was very passionate about hunting Um, and it actually really changed how I feel about hunting because I kind of had hunting as like people who just go out, drink a bunch of beer and they might shoot, shoot some shit. Um, which at, is back
0: in Missouri. That's, that's pretty accurate.
1: <laughs> but, um, but I don't feel like that at all about hunters anymore. Um, and you very much changed that for me. Um, so now I see it as you're very much more in touch with how you get your meat. Um, you're not going to waste any part of that animal, uh, And honestly, even though I really respected that you didn't waste any of the animal and that you were way more in touch with um, where your meat source came from, I still was not interested. Um, However, I kind of thought if I'm going to eat meat, maybe I should see what it's like to take a life. That was honestly my biggest, that was the biggest concept for me, was if I'm going to eat meat, let's see, let's see how this goes from... um, from finding it, killing it, the whole shebang.
0: So, no, no like major pr- previous thoughts on hunting. You weren't, you weren't against hunting. Um, it's just not something that, that you had considered for yourself or.
1: Right. I'm not against it, but you have heard me say a million times, I could easily be vegan and I could. Um, I don't think I would struggle with it, but I also don't struggle with hunting because I do see us as part of honestly, the cycle of life. And, and I'm okay with that. I just didn't know if I would personally be okay with taking a life because that goes against everything in me and everything I do for a living and everything I'm passionate about. I love to care for people. Um, whether it's my job, my kids, I love being a mom. Uh, the last thing I thought I'd want to do is take a life.
0: Right. Right. So, um, I, I should, I should throw out some, some props, props to you. Um while while my it, it's hard to be an impartial um, interviewer here because I'm not <laughs> impartial, but I'm trying. Um, I I, I got to give my wife credit. Um, while while she has not shown any interest in hunting whatsoever up until just recently, um, she's she's pretty tough in the backcountry. Um, she she has no qualms. In fact, I'll tell a very quick story. Uh, when we were first dating uh, back in Missouri, um, I took I took Mary on a backpacking trip. And uh, I set up a floorless shelter um, and that night I, uh, I shined my flashlight in, into our shelter and you could see all the little tiny glowing spider eyes in the leaf litter where we were going to sleep. And it didn't bother. She was, she was fine with it. So, so at that point I thought, oh yeah, this this girl might be worth a, a little more effort. Um, but at the same time, on that same trip, I remember some coyotes howling, and I, like, <laughs> I, I messed with you, making you think that we were in serious trouble, and you, yeah, you took that hook, line, and sinker, so.
1: because you're an outdoorsman. <laughs> 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 I trusted you. <clears throat> uh, but I didn't know they were coyotes either, probably.
0: Right. All right, so um, before we go any farther, um, pretty, pretty clearly, I think anybody listening to this would realize that, you know, I coerced you into this thing into this you know hunting and taking an animal but i'm gonna throw it out there um our little boy he loves to hunt with me um and hopefully our little girl does too we had a great turkey season last year with her um but uh i uh, i asked mary to do the hunter education program with my, my nine-year-old um you know using the the angle of this would be a good time for you guys to spend together and when, when Mary came back from that class, she was pretty excited about the whole thing. Can you talk a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, I had a really good Hunter Anglers class. Um Hunter education. Hunter education <laughs> class, sorry. Um, I don't remember now exactly what excited me. I guess it was it's like we were surrounded by a whole bunch of really thoughtful people. Uh the idea of hiking out to get um you know, my meat or, you know, to get to get a deer was really exciting for me because I love to backpack. Uh, but then actually being able to take home tangible goods was kind of a fun concept for me. But it was around a bunch of people who were just really thoughtful about what they do and who seemed to really respect the life they take. And it was like, I don't know, it was just kind of inspirational. And I decided, you know what, maybe I can give this a try.
0: Awesome. And I'm, I'm going to give your 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 hunter education uh, instructor, a shout out. That was Brian Woolridge. Wool Woolridge, um, and yeah, I hope he doesn't mind me doing that. But but apparently he did a great job because both both my wife job. and my little boy came back very excited, inspired, and well educated. So that's awesome. Thanks, Brian. All right, so <clears throat> so we we can, I guess it's fair to say that I introduced you to Honey. Is that accurate? That was one of my questions. Yeah, you introduced
1: okay. me to like real hunting I yeah. feel like
0: yeah um and and I'll, I'll put it out there that being a frugal person um and <laughs> maybe not not a person that, that you know really gets into fine cuisine even though I try to prepare the finest cuisine um you appreciate having a freezer full of healthy meat
1: oh very much so yeah I very much care about Well, and it's funny because I don't care about uh, necessarily cooking in the sense of making it taste good, but it's very important that what my family eats is very healthy. So I'm definitely more about the colors on the plate and the healthy meat on the plate than I am the taste of the plate. So um, while I know most people would disagree with that, just the idea of getting a deer from, you know, honestly, from the wilderness versus a cow from the store, um, it feels better to feed my children that.
0: Right. Right. I agree. I feel good about it too. So I'm just going to read this question straight from the script. Uh, Locally sourced, sustainably and ethically raised meat is of interest to a lot of people these days. What does this mean to you and how does this relate to hunting? Say it again. Okay. One more time. (laughs) Locally sourced, sustainable and ethically raised meat is of interest to a lot of people these days. What does this mean to you, and how does this relate to hunting?
1: Well, ethically, you know, that's something I really struggled with with this hunt. Um, I, I didn't do so well after I shot the deer because well, uh, it, in wait. my mind – We're going
0: to talk about specifically your hunt coming up. <laughs> okay.
1: So. I know, but what I'm saying is like <clears throat> ethical. What is ethical right. to people? And, and in my mind, I thought, well, these animals got to live a good life. They got to live a natural life versus being um, – you know, caged up essentially.
0: Sure.
1: Uh, and so it seemed more ethical until I shot it, and then all suddenly all those ethics went out the window, and I decided I should have been vegan. But um, at the time, my version of ethical would have been, you know, I'm killing an animal that got to live a good life versus an animal who was raised strictly for my consumption, and that just feels kind of, kind of wrong for any life to be raised strictly for consumption versus being a part of honestly the circle of life. In terms of sustainable, man, I feel like I feel like that's a hard question because I could go so many ways on that one. But sure. obviously this is –
0: Yeah, obviously hunting it, is not sustainable if all people partake in it.
1: Uh, right. I was going to say, you explained right. this so much better, and I agree with you, but I feel like you should be the words here but, because I do understand it. But <laughs> it's just so – man, you could go right. so far on that one.
0: Right. Um, hey, so just to clarify, um, obviously not everyone in the world – can partake in eating 100% wild meat. Um, there's there's more people that now that want to hunt than there are game species available, at least in a sustainable sense. Um, but that's why we have these draw systems. That's why we have very carefully managed units where we're keeping an eye on these... I, I had a microphone mishap. Um <laughs> But uh, yeah, we, we, we manage these these animals. Gosh, dang it! Um, very.
1: My feet are very comfortable now. <laughs> Good, thanks for this, dear. Uh,
0: Mary's causing me to knock my uh, microphone over, so she put her feet out. So I'm very comfortable. This is such a different situation when you're doing it with a spouse. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> anyway, yeah, you get the picture. Um, you know, it's it's not for everybody out there. Um, but for me, um, I, I really value. That The the meat that my family primarily eats comes from a a, a source of wild, healthy animals, and it contributes to a model of conservation that works for wildlife, and it works for, for wild places. And I take a lot of pride in that. I wish everyone could do that. And we have a system where everybody that wants to can partake, and that's the beauty of living in this country and having this model of conservation. All right, moving on. Obviously, hunting requires the taking of a living animal's life. How are you okay with that?
1: I don't think I was. Is this the point where I can talk about my hunt?
0: Um, I guess.
1: Are we not there yet? Okay. Um, all, right, all
0: right. Yeah. Let's let's do it. Um, can I can I lay the stage? Sure. Okay? All right. Um, we are deer season this year. Um, let's see. I I got lucky on opener and and I shot. A, Uh, A beautiful, beautiful four-corn buck. Um, And I was pretty excited and happy with that. And, you know, it put some some meat in the freezer. Uh, But then uh, it was Mary's turn. And we only had the weekends because Mary, uh, she didn't take off work like I did for the hunt. But, uh, you know, weekends roll around. We are in a unit that's managed for opportunity. So there's a lot of hunters out there, a lot of trucks going up and down those roads. And, you know... Uh, Mary and I are both backpackers uh, We really enjoy getting into wilderness um, And it was tough here uh, It was tough because boy there's ugh, Too many roads in Arizona if you ask me But um, So we hunted a pretty popular area Our first week and, and, and we struggled um, I mean we really struggled uh, <laughs> I thought
1: it was a good time myself Well no I enjoyed it,
0: don't, <laughs> don't misunderstand But it was a struggle finding deer especially, we didn't see especially a finding not
1: single bucks. buck But oh, right. it was a good time <clears throat> watching deer, all those right. does Yeah <laughs> across the road um,
0: so that that ends and at this point yeah mary you know had been away from the kids enough she was chomping at the bit to get back home be with the kids uh but the next weekend rolls around and you know she's 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 good wife and she knows how important this is to me so uh she wanted to she agreed to continue hunting um but fortunately uh we were out kind of scouting uh midday one day and found a new area uh, in a wilderness area and um a lot of deer tracks. We had a fresh snow on the ground. So didn't find any deer that day, but saw a lot of sign. Um, go back the next day in, into just a beautiful spot. I mean, fantastic glassing, um, deer sign everywhere. Um, and we were in a wilderness area. There were no other hunters, no cars. Um, we were just fortunate just to find a spot like that at this point. Um, hike up, find i I'll, I'll let you take it from here. Let, let's hear how it went. We start our morning hiking.
1: Yeah, so we started the morning hiking, and fairly shortly into the hike, though, you spotted through your binoculars some deer on the on the side, the hillside, and um, it was a big
0: bunch of deer. It, it was it was, a, it was a herd. It was, it was a big herd of deer, <laughs>
1: deer. and uh, I was saying it was a big bunch, but I knew Mike wouldn't be down with that. It was a big herd of deer Words matter. and they were kind of coming over the hillside. So it's like, ah, just wait for it. There might be a buck in there. And sure enough, after watching them for a little while, I don't know how long, maybe 15 minutes, a buck comes across uh, the hillside and it's playing with another, what we're assuming is probably another buck. So they're just going at it yeah, for it's a while.
0: A little guy that we couldn't even um, make out the antlers at that
1: distance. Yeah. The one that he's playing with, you couldn't make out the antlers, but he was very obviously a buck and. Mm-hmm. And by
0: playing, um, we mean sparring. Um,
1: they were playing like sure. children; it was adorable, actually. All right, <laughs> they were sparring. Anyway, um, so at, at that point, it's like this is the first buck we've seen, and he was he wasn't too young of a buck. I mean, he was he was a nice sized buck. So we decide we are going to essentially follow him. Yeah, see if we can get board. him. Yeah. Um So we move slowly, and
0: yeah, and they spotted us. Yeah, Yeah.
1: well, yeah, there was one doe who was really on top of us.
0: still 250 yards away, so they they didn't freak out or anything.
1: No, no, they didn't. They were fine. But still, we get moving, and of course, that was just enough for them to to move along. And we hike around the hillside and up the little mountain, Um, and we get to a really good glassing spot at that point. And you can see the entire time we're hiking, you can see you know, the deer scat and you can see their prints and that they were kind of running along the trail. You had, you know, the rocks that were kicked out, the snow prints, different things like that. So obviously we were following the right trail, but we get to the top of the mountain and we have a really good glassing spot and we, we spot them from there. Um, and it took us a second to, to spot the little buck because it was bunch of tons of dough, bunch of does. Yeah. Uh, and we sat there for a while until the buck came into view. And at that point, it's funny cause everyone talks about buck fever. You know, you've talked about buck fever and how you get all nervous. And, uh, I'm one of those people who I tend to dive headfirst into almost everything. And it's not necessarily, a, it's a good and a bad thing, but in this case, um, it, it worked out for me, but I don't, wouldn't say it's necessarily a good thing. Um, but I don't tend to get nervous until after I do something. So I, I do. And then I think it's, it's great. It's a great, great way to live life. But, uh, <laughs> So I wasn't nervous, actually, whenever I put um, the gun on him. And Mike's, you know, okay, we're at, it's like, how many yards away? Is he okay? He's 330 yards. Okay, well, I, I have a good shot. I feel steady. Yeah. You know? And can I, can I interject? Yeah, go for it. Um,
0: so uh, for anyone that, that might be judging um, at putting a new hunter on on a deer that's 330 yards away across the canyon, um, just know that... It, I don't know why, but Mary's just a natural crack shot. I had no doubt that, um, you know, we were we sitting on a hillside, had a tripod rifle rest uh, in front of her, and all the time in the world, I had no doubt she would make the shot.
1: Well, yeah, I'm new to hunting, but I'm not not new to shooting particularly at all. Just just the hunting part, um, but I really enjoy clay pigeons. Anyway. Um, so yeah, I had a really good view of him. I felt really good about the shot. So I, we
0: took our time. We waited for him. Sorry. I'm in it's so hard whenever you know somebody this well, Um, (laughs) but uh, yeah, we waited for, you know, there was lots of shots, but there are always deer around him behind him. So, you know, we could see the background. He was on a hillside. Um, oh, that was
1: a big thing for me. It's like, he was constantly next to a doe. I didn't want to be next to any other deer.
0: A lot of those hunter education lessons were coming out in that moment.
1: Yeah. Um, but he was on a perfect hillside. You can see everything behind him. Um, anyway, he came into viewer. It, it was a good shot. And I am not a detail oriented person in my story. So that's fine that you break in. Um, but no, so, so I took the shot and he immediately went down, which is good. Um, that was probably my biggest fear about hunting, was making, like, wounding an animal, him running off, and me not being able to find him. And all suddenly he's dying and I've wasted the meat. That was a big, big fear of mine but as soon as he went down it was also this hard hard reality that i just i just took a life um and it it's like i didn't know that it would overwhelm me like
0: that yeah i was expecting emotions but i wasn't expecting that love <laughs> it, it of was emotions. like the
1: kind of emotion where you're like sitting there trying to catch your breath because you're crying so and hard <laughs> you're laughing now but this was not I, a laughing no, matter no it at wasn't the laughing at, at all i'm laughing because i'm making fun of my my amount of um I could not catch my breath at that time. No, I was very, very sad. In that moment, my number one thing was I will never do this again. I'm going to become vegan. He can hunt. I'm never going to tell him what to do, but, but I don't have to choose this. That was <laughs> my number one thought was, um, you know, I, I did it. I took the life. I know what it's like to take the life. So I officially can uh, kind of be a little bit more in touch with that. And I've decided that I don't like it. And I'm going to be vegan <laughs> or vegetarian. I decided that I don't care about eating eggs <laughs> in that moment. <laughs>
0: care about chickens or their lives.
1: <laughs> uh, well, it was but the eggs really that different. I was like, you know what? I can take eggs still um, and I can be vegetarian just fine. But I just don't know that I want to be a part of killing an animal. And if Mike wants to, that's fine. But I don't know that this is for me. Uh, and that was the number one thing I was thinking. And I was thinking, man, I help people. Like whenever people are wounded, like I help them. Like it felt so wrong to just, to just sit there and not run and help it. And, um, you know, try to control the bleeding in that moment. That
0: can I, can I lay out a few details? Yeah. Um, and we want to be completely honest on this podcast. Um, while I know Mary can hit what she's aiming at, um, and I think most experienced hunters, and, and maybe some of you that aren't, won't understand this. But any experienced hunter out there will understand that sometimes your brain just isn't firing correctly in the moment, and that's how accidents happen. So you know, I I, I don't know. I shouldn't I shouldn't say that so blatantly because I really don't understand how, how how my a lot brain of accidents in the happen. Um, but. But they do, your brain kind of goes, hey, where are you? you kind of going to like predator mode and, and you're just, you're, you're kind of like operating on that, that, you know, that did not happen. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. So from my experience, <laughs> I guess what I'm getting at is I told Mary, I mean, we were zeroed at hundred yards, a seven millimeter Remington Magnum. I told her to like level that horizontal crosshair on the buck's back. Um, knowing that that bullet would drop a few inches and we'd be right in that long area. But when I told Mary to center, I think she maybe just centered body mass. Um, so the shot was a little far back. Um, it was obviously a lethal shot, uh, a, a obliviated half of the liver, uh, probably nicked a little long, but the deer dropped. But for the next 20 minutes, the deer lifted his head up, laid it down, which is a very hard Thing for somebody that already has a lot of emotions about shooting a deer, and one of the worst parts of hunting is no matter how hard you work, no matter how hard you try to make that perfect kill every single time, and in most cases, um, we do that, and that's what we're trying to do. But but sometimes it doesn't work out that way, and and I'm, I'm not painting Mary's experience as a really bad situation because it was a good situation, it was a good shot, and that deer died right there where it was hit, but. It was a little bit far back, so it took a little longer than, than we wanted. And and that, I think, contributed a lot to to the whole experience. Would you say that's accurate?
1: It was my first experience. So, no, it was the idea that, like, I mean, maybe it was. I didn't like that. I was happy that it didn't run off, actually. I thought it was, at the time, I didn't even realize what kind of shot it was. Um. So no, I didn't like that, but I really didn't like the fact that I injured something and then I didn't help it, which makes no sense to anyone else probably, but as a nurse, you help somebody who's injured. So, um, whether it died instantly Mm -hmm. or it took a little while, um, which I didn't like that, but I don't know. I think I would have struggled either way on that one, honestly.
0: I see. All right. So. We're at that moment um it was definitely a difficult moment for you more so than i expected um and i absolutely respect that Uh, absolutely i do um but from that point forward can you kind of take us through you know the walking up to the deer um the processing and kind of i guess the, the picture i'm trying to paint here um, and I think this is what happened, or at least this is what happened on the surface, was it was a very emotional experience for you. And it should be. It damn well should be. It should be for everybody. You're taking a life of an animal. But ultimately what it comes down to is human beings have eaten meat as long as we are human, and, and we continue to do so today. Um, but turning that animal into a product you know, that you're going to feed to your family, can you walk us through that?
1: Yeah, no, I, I mean, I struggled until you started to process it. Processing it at that point, it was already dead. So, I mean, at that point, what had been done had been done. Um, it became a little bit interesting to me just because anatomy and physiology. But then you see the amount of meat that you get from the animal, too. And that felt pretty good. Like, okay, I can feed my family, you know, however many meals on this. Um, and that became more interesting than anything. Still sad, though. I, I never enjoyed that the way that I thought... I mean, I really enjoyed like dissecting animals in biology. Both of us have our first degrees in biology. Um, And I I didn't enjoy it the way I thought I would because I honestly just had the emotion wrapped up in it of, you know, in the past, it's been something that I have never killed. So, no, I did struggle with that the whole time, but I did uh, better. Hold
0: on, hold on. This is the part two of the whole merry hunting experience. <laughs> oh, Mary, I killed a bird Mary once. And I'll throw it in there uh, right now. They don't care about so birds. Th- this is uh, an accompan- accompanying, uh, how do you say it? Accompaniment to a, a write up that we did for. It was first featured uh, in Hunt to Eat, and then this uh, current issue of the Arizona Wildlife Federation quarterly magazine. Um, and it was about Mary's first dove. Um, and so Mary did shoot a dove at one point. Um,
1: yeah, but I didn't struggle with the dove.
0: Yeah, birds are a little easier. F- fish are the easiest. Birds are easier. Mammals are where it gets hard. All right, I'm going to pause. Okay, we're back.
1: <laughs>
0: um, so uh, I think before we, we stopped, um, I wanted to talk about the process of going from an animal... Oh, can I mention one thing?
1: Hmm?
0: I don't know. Now I don't know what I can mention. Um, (laughs) But you were terrified of the deer.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was. It's because you hear those stories where, like, the deer puts his head up. and I mean, in Hunter's education class thing, I remember them saying, like, wait 30 minutes, you know, in case the deer's not dead or whatever. But also, I mean, you hear those stories of somebody getting stabbed by a deer's head, you know?
0: The antlers.
1: Um, But honestly, I was honestly just so in the moment of, I was feeling so emotional at that time that with the emotion of sadness also comes honestly fear because it's just emotions. Like Mm -hmm. my emotions are just running high in that moment. (laughs) So yeah, I was, I did not want to go poke his eye. I thought Mike can go do it. You can get stabbed by a deer if you want, but I'm not doing it. That's how I felt about that. Yeah,
0: yeah. (laughs) all right um let's get back to breaking that animal animal down and, and turning it in into meat it it, it is interesting uh you know go, going through an animal looking at the different parts um you know and of course there, there's i guess the start of it is you, you take the guts out uh, there's no nice way to say that um i always take the liver and the heart because those are healthy um great pieces of meat Then you go into taking apart those quarters and back straps and ribs and neck and everything. And and every part's got a great use in the kitchen. In fact, I will throw it out there that tonight um, we are, uh, as soon as we're done with this, we're going to go down and have tacos uh, made from from a shoulder roast and an elbow roast. But so, I mean, I guess, you know, what I want to understand here is... um, taking that animal, you know, from, from its animal form and your mood changed. It changed from the moment we walked up to that deer to the point that we were packing it out. How did that work for you?
1: Honestly, the deed was already done and I'm just somebody who doesn't hold on to that. But, but even sitting here right now, there's a part of me, there's a part of me that's wonders if I'm shallow because I'm able to move on as quickly as I am from, from situations, and I'm not always. I still think it's sad. Like I still had to break down and cry for a second because I still think it's a sad situation. As that a it,
0: husband, this is slightly concerning.
1: That it took a day. <laughs> no, not like that. I'm a very loyal person, but um, like yeah, but uh, no, I still, I still have to break down and cry some, and and honestly question my own, I don't know ethics or something because. Uh, yeah, I I was able to move on and pack that thing out. Part of it was because I could get back to my kids and we had plans that day. So it's like, okay, let's pack this thing up and let's go. Um, you know, let's get back to the kids. But no, if I think too much on it, it still makes me really sad. It makes me wonder if I'm an okay person. The fact that I took a life and I'm okay with it and I'm eating it. And no, there's there's a part of me that wonders if I'm. You're gonna hate me for this part, but. Like almost like more in touch than you are with stuff because like we're oh, like more empathetic because it's like, man, I took a life. Like that's a big deal. It's a big deal. And I know that we're a part of, you know, the chain of life. But um, and I want to think that I'm a part of it, too. But there's that other part of me that says, no, no, man, I, I can think past that. I can I can eat lots of veggies that have plenty of protein in it. Um, I don't know. So I do question myself still, in other words, a lot on this one. And I try not to think too terribly hard on it because at this point the deed has been done and I have shot the deer and I'm not going to waste a deer that I shot because that is like the ultimate, um, I don't know, I don't want to say the word sin, but the ultimate thing you don't do, you don't waste something. So obviously I'm going to use this deer uh, Mm. and I'm going to really appreciate this deer and I'm going to teach my kids Mm. how important it is that this life lived and that we took it and that we value it and that we eat all the meat and all the bone stock and everything that we got from this deer. But um, to say I'm not still struggling a little bit would be, would be an understatement.
0: Yeah. Well, other than your shot at me, um, I would say all of that is absolutely valid. <laughs> I'm more connected than you Valid <laughs> and accurate. Um, and it is a big deal. Uh, you know, and, and I, have been fortunate, I guess, however, however you want to look at it to shoot, kill, and then harvest lots of animals. Um, and, uh, I always try to keep that at the forefront of my mind that I am killing a thing, a thing that doesn't want to die necessarily. Um, and that's a big deal. And it's something that I think everyone, every hunter should, should always be aware of and, and, you know, keep in mind, so to speak.
1: Yeah. Everything wants to live.
0: Sure. So now though we have, I have this freezer that's not only full of, um, two, two mule deer we have a lot of great meat in there uh, but we also have shoot i don't know maybe 18 quarts of bone stock um which man any, anybody that leaves bones in the field you're just, you're making yeah, a you're missing out man yeah. um and i'll give one tip right here if i can if you will take um pick your bones make a good bone stock and then take a back strap or if it's an elk take a tenderloin maybe and melt a bunch of butter into a cast iron skillet um, salt that backstrap or salt that tenderloin throw a sprig of fresh rosemary into that butter and then you take that backstrap and you roll it around and sear it you want to sear it around all sides a nice like crusty sear um, and watch that temperature uh, there are people that can do this by hand and feel i'm not one of those but i, I would say don't let that temperature get above 100 degrees Take it out, let it set for ten minutes. And I guess I should have prefaced this um, before you do this. Take take a quart of that bone stock and put it on on a burner and reduce it to the point that when you drag a wooden spoon across the bottom, it takes a few seconds for it to like for the streak you made to come back together behind it. So you want this thick, rich syrupy st- sauce. Then you do your your backstrap or your tenderloin. Uh, let it rest, slice it um, into pieces, and you pour that, that glaze over the top. And, and there's, it's the purest parts of the animal. There's not a lot of other ingredients going on there at all. And it's a treat. It's something that no one would, would turn their nose up. It's absolutely delicious.
1: It's really good.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's good. All right. So are we going to do this again? Hunting? Yeah.
1: So that's where, if I'm gonna keep eating meat, so that's where I go back and forth. If I if I'm gonna keep eating meat, I know then you're I do those tacos tonight. I'm I know totally you are. gonna keep eating the tacos. Uh, then I do feel like I should. Uh, I don't know. There's a part of me that's like, yeah. If you do take a life and you're a part of eating meat and you're a part of, I mean, anyone who buys meat from the store, you're a part of it. Whether you want to be or not, you're a part of it. And. um I don't know. Uh, I, I do think I'll probably do it again. I don't know about your intensity on like getting up at four o'clock in the morning on my only days off every day. Well, that's, that's the only way that you're going to get
0: it done though and make it happen. You got to work yeah, for you it. You know,
1: I really enjoy hiking at like six. It, I'm, should, it I'm shouldn't a morning be an person. easy thing
0: to go out and kill a big animal. It should be hard.
1: Yeah, I'm a morning person, but I'm not a four o'clock morning person. Like maybe a 5.30 morning person would be fine. Uh, so minus that part, maybe finding a new hunting partner, um, (laughs) who gets up at like six would be awesome. Uh, but no, I'll probably do it again for something large. I still don't like the idea of taking a small life. Like even though it didn't bother me to take the bird's life, there's a part of me that's like, what's, what's the point of this? It's not even feeding me very well. So I, I'm, you know what I mean? Like the deer feeds us for a long time. Right. And it's one life that feeds us for a long time and it really does sustain us and it's healthy meat. Little animals, man, I'm just taking a bunch of lives that I want to live and we're not even, it's not even sustaining me for long periods of time. So I don't think I'll ever be a small game hunter. What, what about
0: though the, like the, you know, in, in our modern world, we have basically three taste profiles, uh, when it comes to protein and that's going to be Meat protein, I should say, and that's going to be pork, chicken, and cows. But in the hunting world, we have squirrels, we have quail, we have dove, we have deer, we have elk, we have bears. All, we have all of half this of the stuff you bring home tastes like cook.
1: chicken. The other half tastes oh. like cow. And then there's <laughs> the bear. Bears, yeah. Then there's bear, and bear has its own taste. And I do really like bear. Yeah. Cute, cuddly little things, but I like bear. Um, <laughs> but uh it's the only one that tastes different uh, everything else tastes like chicken or tastes like beef yeah um a better form of beef and a better uh, just kind of tastes like chicken honestly but no i do think i'll do it again for a large animal i do not think i'll ever get into hunting per se um there might come a point where i just cry so much that i say this isn't worth it for me i don't know yeah but i would probably do at least one more draw if i can get an elk that'd be great Uh, Give it another try and, you know, maybe I'll cry for two hours instead of one this time. That's
0: twice as big.
1: uh, Because, you know, in that case, I might be crying for half the day. You're going to have to process the whole animal before I make it down to actually see the animal. Um, But, uh, yeah, I think I'll probably give it another try only because if I'm going to keep eating meat, I do want to feed my family the healthiest meat out there. And as far as I'm concerned, the most most sustainable contribute
0: to this this wonderful system of conservation we have here in our country, and not contribute
1: to, you know, animals that are being raised just for my consumption. All
0: right. So, all right. Well, listen. uh, For what it's worth, I I am terribly, terribly proud of you. And
1: if you say terribly proud, okay,
0: I'm very, very (laughs) proud of you. Um, and and I, I I. thought it was great time spent together. I mean, better than any date night I think we've had. Well, for me, I should say that's not fair. Um, but we did have fun, right? Yeah, we it, got to hike together. So it's a beautiful country. You got to hike in fresh snow. got to camp together.
1: I've had better date nights, but I did enjoy it, yes.
0: With, with me, though, right? Let's clarify that part.
1: <laughs> I've had better date nights with you. All right. Uh, and definitely some pretty, you know, much better mountain biking trips. But, you know, we should we should incorporate mountain bikes into it. Um, but yes, I really did enjoy, I enjoyed getting up and seeing the morning sun and going for a hike. I always enjoy that. Um, oh, at one point I have to tell this story. I was sitting on a rock in the early morning and Mike, like, so he hikes straight up mountains and then straight down mountains. There's no, there's no trails. There's no switchbacks. There's no going up slow. He like, just like plows straight up a freaking mountain and then, you know, 30, 40 minutes later, by the time I get to the top, because I'm, you know, dying as I go up, uh, he's already glassed for a while and he's ready to go. So, my butt's always tired, basically. So, I sat on a rock as he's glassing off in a whole different direction of the mountain. And um, a coyote came, came across uh, around the corner. And he came maybe four or five feet in front of me, and he was just so beautiful. He had a great winter fur, and he looked at me like, oh, my gosh, you're there. And I was like, oh, God, hey, you're there. Uh, and he quickly turned and went, over out, went away. But um, he was just so pretty, and it was just such a lovely thing at 530 to be greeted with a, a coyote so close yeah. to me. It was just kind of a fun little, like, Man. good morning, you know, situation. That,
0: that's the thing, though. It's like hunting is not just going out and shooting a critter and bringing it home and eating it. It's that stuff. You don't get that stuff necessarily hiking. Don't get me wrong. I'm a longtime backpacker. I love trails. I love trails. But you don't get that stuff, you know? And there's something about like when you're hiking, when you're paddling, uh, when you're camping, you're kind of a mere observer of the natural world. When you're out there hunting, at least in my mind, you're a participant. You're part of the natural world. Well,
1: this is the first time I've had to be forced to be quiet because I'm not what you would consider a <laughs> quiet person. <laughs> so I've never seen. I've done a lot of hiking, man. I've done a lot of hiking, and I've never seen a bear, and it's killing me. Cause like my parents came to visit us in Arizona, and they see a freaking bear. I've never seen a bear, and my brother, such a sweet guy, said it's because I never stopped talking. I'll never see a bear, and uh, I think I saw a coyote. So cl- I've seen tons of coyotes, but I mean that close because uh i had to be quiet yeah so i'm kind of curious that what is, else i might find
0: this. <laughs>
1: i think mike and he really enjoyed this date this date weekend for the silence and i thought man this uh, is rough we can't even talk
0: i loved it i mean well no i mean i loved it because we had time together, <laughs> not because of the silence but man you got to admit though that dead quiet silence isn't that lovely sometimes Oh, I I think it's the most beautiful sound of the world. Sometimes it's lovely, sometimes
1: I really miss myself. But some, it's usually, (laughs) it's usually lovely. Oh, Uh, oh, at one point we we found a great um, herd of deer that we tried to, you know, track on foot, and that was probably the most exciting part of the whole hunting experience. Mm -hmm. Remember that big herd of deer, yeah. Mike said that's not a good idea to try to Just try to follow him to to follow him him and chase him. Oh, there were so many and it was there was a little
0: bit of excitement after a really long slog of that day. Oh my
1: gosh, we had hiked for like seven hours at that point before we saw a deer. So it was just exciting to see any deer. I was so stoked. Yeah. That was that was the highlight. Who was not killing the deer? That was the that was the low light.
0: Well deer. Um yeah, I'm your biggest fan, and, and I'm very, very, very proud of you. Uh, and downstairs right now, we have we have some some mule deer tacos, some cojita cheese, a little white onion and cilantro mix, some green salsa,
1: more margaritas,
0: more margaritas. Yeah, if you have to hear those ice ice cubes clackling. I don't know what you call that, but uh, now we also Flinkin'? have we have a mule deer pate a liver pate that I think is delicious um, it's a little strong for some people but I think it's great and I will never ever level leave a liver live, live in the field I enjoy them so much not to mention one of the healthiest healthiest pieces of, of meat or organ out there in the woods so I am really proud of you um, and I enjoyed I enjoyed our hunt together and I hope we can do it again but you're not going to get a lot of pressure from me if you don't want to either so I mean that
1: I have a voice. I'm good with it, oh, too. I know. yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll do what I want, but yes, I'll probably try it again.
0: Awesome. Awesome. we we'll the next time it's an elk.
1: Yeah, I agree.
0: Thanks for sharing your story. Appreciate
1: okay. it. Thanks for having me.
0: All right, dear. See you later.
1: All right. Bye, guys.
0: Well, I, I certainly hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I enjoyed having it. Uh, I am my wife's biggest fan and i I love hanging out with her i love talking with her and i certainly loved this hunt i had with her as i mentioned in the show uh, this is kind of the part two of kind of mary's hunting story Uh, part one you can read about mary's first dove in the current fall issue of the arizona wildlife federation news this is a quarterly publication That gives you the lowdown on all conservation issues happening around the state of Arizona. Uh, It provides some great stories, and uh, it's just a great, great magazine. We're all very proud of it. So if you would like to receive this publication, all you have to do is become a supporting member of the Arizona Wildlife Federation. You can learn how to do that at the link below in the show notes, or you can just Google Arizona Wildlife Federation, cruise around the website, and check us out. Uh, Learn all about us. As always, you can reach out to me at podcast.azwildlife.org. I love hearing from you. I love getting suggestions. I love your comments. And and I even value your criticisms. So don't ever hesitate to reach out to me. Uh, It's Michael is my name. And that, again, is at podcast.azwildlife.org. Please don't hesitate. And I will see you in a couple weeks. Wish me luck in Costa Rica with that giant tarpon I'm hoping for. And, uh, yeah, I look forward to the next show. Thanks for listening.